we're going to read today in John chapter 8, Jesus said, if you believe in me and continue in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. A title for today's message could be Following the Light of the World. We're in John chapter 8, looking at verse 12 through 32. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to him, You are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. Jesus answered, Even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true, for I know where I came from and where I am going. But you do not know where I come from or where I am going. You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. Yet even if I do judge, my judgment is true. For it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. In your law it is written that the testimony of two people is true. I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. They said to him, therefore, Where is your father? Jesus answered, You know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. These words he spoke in the treasury, as he taught in the temple. But no one arrested him, because his hour had not yet come. So he said to them again, I am going away, and you will seek me, and you will die in your sin. Where I am going, you cannot come. So the Jews said, Will he kill himself? Since he says, Where I am going, you cannot come. He said to them, You are from below, I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. So they said to him, Who are you? Jesus said to them, Just what I have been telling you from the beginning. I have much to say about you and much to judge, but he who sent me is true, and I declare to the world what I have heard from him. They did not understand that he had been speaking to them about the Father. So Jesus said to them, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, and that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me. And he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. As he was saying these things, many believed in him. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Good morning, everyone. This is Brenton from Dwell on Truth and Open Air Campaigners. And this is Dan Bodwin, also from Dwell on Truth and Open Air Campaigners. (laughs) Open Air Campaigners is the organization that we work for as evangelists. Dwell on Truth is the show you're listening to right now, where we love to dwell on the truth, because as we're going to read today in John chapter 8, Jesus said, if you believe in me and continue in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Amen. That is a wonderful thing. God's word truly sets us free, sets us free from sin and sets us free from despair. And and my friends, one of the things we want to communicate today, both Brenton and I, is that there is hope. There is great hope in the truth of who Jesus Christ is. And that's a hope that we want every one of you to experience with us. But you must believe. 
It's only for those who believe, according to what Jesus said. And he said, if you don't believe, you're still in your sins, and you could die in your sins, and we wouldn't want that to happen. Because if you die in your sins and then stand before a holy God, there's nothing but an expectation of wrath. But if you believe in Christ, you won't die in your sins, you'll die in Christ, and you'll have a firm hope and expectation of life and peace with God that begins now and lasts for eternity, for the glory of God and for our good. But it's your choice, I would say, whether or not you are open to learning from Jesus. And on today's show, we're going to see several people, as you heard in the opening, challenge Jesus with questions. Some may be ridiculous questions, and certainly we get our fair share of ridiculous questions uh, as Christians when we're trying to represent Christ and his teachings. People will throw out some of the most ludicrous arguments, and Jesus deals with some of that, and I think it's very instructive for us as evangelists, as Christians, to learn the way of the master in answering questions, even the ornery ones. <laughs> there were some ornery ones in this passage, for sure, and you're right, we hear those on the street. Yes. Uh, but the biggest thing is is not to just point out that these people are ornery or the people on the street were are or other p- folks that we talk to, but to encourage you to examine yourself. You know, when you listen to what we're saying or hear things about Christianity, is your first impulse to be ornery, to kind of, you know, lash out at the person that's sharing that truth or be frustrated or angry? Or is it to humble yourself and try to understand what's really being communicated? Because that's what we need if we're going to come to right relationship with God. And of course, we also need the work of His Spirit changing us and allowing us to understand it. One of the things that stands out to me in this passage, and again, we're in John chapter 8, looking at verse 12 through 32. So, I'd encourage you, if you have a Bible handy, to pick it up, open it up, dust it off. Or if you have a Bible app, you can open up the Bible app. If you're driving, don't try reading while you're driving. We'll read it to you. (laughs) No, please. But I'm not only an evangelist, I'm a Bible teacher. So, I want to help expose or make clear the truths that the Bible is teaching in a way that the average person can understand. You don't have to have a a degree in theology to be able to understand the Bible. There's a verse in in the uh, epistle of James later in the Bible. It says, receive the implanted word of God with humility, which is able to save your souls. Paul said to to Timothy, his uh, guy he mentored in the Bible, he said, you know the holy scriptures which are able to make one wise for salvation. Yes. These scriptures can change your life, and I hope that uh, just as when Jesus spoke in this chapter, what st- stood out to me is that in verse 30, it says, as he was saying these things, many believed in him. Though the religious leaders tried to shut him up, though they tried to put him to shame, though they tried all kinds of tactics, and they even wanted to kill him to silence him, Jesus when he spoke, his words powerfully changed lives, hearts, and minds. And is your mind open to being changed today? If it's true, yes. wouldn't you want to know it and believe it? it? Because believing the truth is of utmost importance. If if you're not yes, in touch with is. the truth, you could say that you might be crazy. You're not in touch with reality. <laughs> yes. 
I had an interesting conversation on my birthday, which was last Friday. Happy birthday. A, a guy in Redwood City who denied that there was such a thing as truth and reality and all there is is perception. And then he sought oh, to man. prove this to me, <laughs> that this is true. And I spotted the inconsistency here. He's saying, I absolutely no, that this is true, that there is no absolute truths. That's a summary of everything that he said. <laughs> it was quite a conversation, I tell you. It was. Uh, yeah. it, it's amazing how people will, you know, beat themselves over the head with their own ignorance sometimes, trying to <laughs> prove something and at the same time attacking everything that they're standing on. I mean, I watching this conversation, it was really amazing. Yeah, you were actually filming it. Maybe we can share this at one point. Yeah, on that would be media. cool. We have a Open Air Campaigners NorCal Facebook page. Daniel Bodwin and Brenton Powers, you can find us on there and get in touch with us because we'd love to have some conversations and help you uh, with your questions. Yes. So I hope that for today's purposes, that as you hear the words of Jesus, that faith rises within you. Where does faith come from, Amen. Dan? Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. Yeah. So, God's Word is effectual, and the gospel is the good news about Jesus and from Jesus, from God to the world. And so, we believe it's the power of God for salvation to anyone who believes. And so, I'm going to focus on that today. As we go through this, there are some difficult things, there are some difficult questions. I found seven questions that these uh, people in Jerusalem asked Jesus. Some of them are implied but we're going to go through these questions, and as Dan is our resident street apologist. <laughs> street uh, apologist, yeah, yes. Who has dealt with all kinds of questions from, gosh, what groups have you encountered questions from the most, Dan? Like argumentative questions. That would probably take the rest of the show, but <laughs> the ones that pop to mind that I deal with on a semi-regular basis would be um, Muslims, Mormons, Roman Catholics... Um, Jehovah's Witnesses, um, Hindus, Buddhists, Hare Krishnas, Sikhs, um, New Agers, uh, there's, there are so many. The ones I probably deal with the most would be Muslims and Mormons. And atheists? Oh, and of course. Yeah. Yeah. They would not categorize themselves as a religious group, but in many ways they are, of course. <laughs> So if you just heard your title of choice, your religious preference— if it's none, uh, or if it's one of these other things that Dan just mentioned, we hope that you'll consider the things that we we are Christians. If, I don't know if you've never never heard this show before, but I'm a Bible believing, born again Christian, and I'm not ashamed of it. How about you, Dan? No, same thing, same thing. And and please understand that if you did hear the name of your belief system in that list, we're not listing those groups because we we hate you, or we think you're stupid, or we want to marginalize you in any way. But we do believe that the Christian Bible is God's revealed truth, um, and it's absolutely true front to back. And uh, we want to share that truth with you, and we want to encourage you to examine your faith and the worldview that you hold and will or were born into, and and to see if they really show themselves to be true. And we would love to have that conversation with you. Great. A title for today's message could be, Following the Light of the World. Yes. 
So let's dig in the very first verse that we read at the top of the program. We'll go back verse by verse, question by question, and see how Jesus answers these questions. And we'll add some of our own answers to these questions, too, from a modern context. Verse 12 of John chapter 8. Again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to him, you are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. What I would say is the first question is, if Jesus testifies of himself that he is the light of the world, does that mean that it's not true? What does that mean anyway? I am the light of the world. And how would, the, how would one tell whether this claim, that it's a radical claim, I mean, if you heard someone walking down the streets of Santa Cruz today shouting, I am the light of the world, would, <laughs> would, would everyone say, oh, okay, he's here finally? Or would they say, ah, that's what you say about yourself. What evidence do yeah. you have that says that's true? Yeah, it is kind of a, an unusual statement in, in, in answer to your question. If somebody was walking down the street saying that, uh, we'd probably have to have a little spiritual discussion with them. But in Jesus' case, it's true. And I think what that implies is that it is through him that we can see the world in truth. Um, so that's a, that's a big claim, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, well, just keeping focused on this main theme of today, who Jesus is, the first thing we should do is listen to who Jesus says he is. Because if he never claimed to be the light of the world, then we would have no reason to believe that he is. But since Mm -hmm. he claimed to be the light of the world, that doesn't mean that it's necessarily not true. There's other witnesses. But let's start with this first claim of Jesus. I am the light of the world. What does that mean? As Dan said, it means that there's a revelation and illumination of who he is and everything else. C.S. Lewis said something similar. He said, I believe in Christianity uh, like I believe in the, the sun, S-U-N, mm. because by it, I, it's not just because I can see it, but because by it, I can see all things. Yes. The light a great quote. opens up your eyes to reveal not only you can see the light itself, but you can see everything else in the light of the light, if that makes sense. Mm. Yeah, it does make sense. We, um, I think every one of us has kind of a skewed perspective on reality on our own. And of course, we can kind of see this in, in, in the culture. Everybody's saying, well, it's just a matter of perspective. What's true for you is not necessarily true for me. But that's not really the way reality works. If I can use a strange analogy, you've probably heard the story or our, our listeners have about the, uh, the blind men and the elephant. Tell us. It's a story, and I believe it comes from, from Hindu um, tradition, where there's blind men, and uh, you know, one of them feels the, one of the legs, and he thinks it's the trunk of the tree, and, and one of them feels the ears and thinks it's something else. One of them feels the tail and thinks it's something else. The point of the story is basically that you know, each person has their own truth and their own perspective, and, and it's used that way a lot. So, you know, hey, we all kind of have our own truth and our own way of looking at things. In this case, we're talking about Jesus as the one who is not blind, and he can see the whole elephant for what it is. Mm. So that's the thing. We can see little pieces of reality, and our perspectives can 
blind us, but God sees everything in truth. And through Jesus, we can have the light to see everything in truth as well, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, focusing on the, the response to Jesus mm-hmm. being the light of the world. He says, whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Yes. So picture somebody who, I'm just trying to visualize this, what would this look like in as an illustration? Right now I'm picturing somebody walking through the darkness, holding up a torch, and that as he walks, he's the, the torch is in front of him, and he's following the light. So anywhere he goes following that light, it's he's not in darkness. Where he is, there's light. Uh, it makes me think of a psalm that says, Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Yeah, it even makes me think back to the time when the Israelites were in the desert. Mm-hmm. And the Lord was leading them at night when they were traveling by night. He was a pillar of fire, you know, providing light for them as they were walking in the darkness. You know, that's mm-hmm. an uh, amazing thing. I think it's it, it fits this perfectly. Literally, God showed up yeah. as a flame of fire, and that mm-hmm. was by night. And that mm-hmm. that fire provided both light and heat. And that's what light does. And, uh, you know, when Jesus preached, when he taught, you can see by his light what the truth of the kingdom of God is, but you can also feel the warmth of his kingdom. I remember when he rose from the dead, he told the disciples everything that was written about him in the scriptures, and their response later as they talked about it was, didn't our hearts burn within us when he opened the scriptures to us? Now, that's not a proof text for the Mormons to say, if you have a burning in your bosom (laughs) that the Book of Mormon is true, then that's how you know it's true. No, when the truth of Jesus, like when you start to see through the tapestry of human history that there's this this light, this thread of uh, redemption going through it, and it all points to Jesus, it's like, I don't know how to describe it, but when God speaks, it's like the words jump off the page, like they're highlighted, it just pops out at you, and it it makes sense intellectually, but it also appeals to us emotionally. There's the, both illumination and warmth. And when I preach, mm. on the, whether it's on the radio or on the street or at the Monterey Wharf or there in Redwood City the other night, I want to share both the information of who Jesus is and the passion of what he did for us. That is so amazing that he would come down from heaven to earth into this darkness, our darkness. It also reminds me of Isaiah, I think it's chapter 9, where it says, in Galilee of the Gentiles, a light has shone. And he said, uh, sleeper, awake. So there's a there's a there's an awakening, an illuminating, and a passion, warm feeling that I get when I think of Jesus as the light and when I come to know him as the light of my life. Amen. No, I agree. There's there's an intellectual aspect of it, and then there's an emotional aspect of it. And if we're truly following God, I will get both of those. Mm-hmm. And I agree, you know. Good stuff. Thanks. And by contrast, those who don't follow him will walk in darkness and won't have the light of life. And I remember when I was lost, that's what that's how I would describe my life. I was lost in in darkness and I didn't see where I was going or why I was here or where I'm going. I had no no idea of the of the 
the origin of life or of the meaning of life or of the destiny of life. And that, those are some of the things that we like to talk about on, out on the streets. And Jesus is what makes it all knowable. Without Jesus, you can't really know any ultimate purpose or morality or destiny. Yeah, you may have an, an idea of one or another piece of it, but the only way the pieces all come together is through him. So the question they're asking is, is if Jesus testifies of himself, does that mean it's not true? Let's see how Jesus answered in verse 14 through 18. Would you mind reading that, Dan? 14 through 18, absolutely. Jesus answered, even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true. For I know where I came from and where I am going, but you do not know where I come from or where I am going. You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. Yet even if I do judge, my judgment is true. For it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. In your law, it is written that the testimony of two people is true. I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. So the first way that Jesus answered this question was by affirming that it is possible to testify about oneself and have it be true. It's not that what they're suggesting is, if you alone are testifying about yourself, it's not true. But Jesus is saying, even if I did that, it still is true. Yeah. For I know where I came from, and I know where I am going. But you do not know where I come from or where I am going. There's also this thing, uh, Dan, maybe you've experienced this, when people will ask a question like, they'll say, I don't know where Jesus came from or where he went, and nobody can know. That's kind of the conclusion a lot of people come to. I don't know, therefore nobody can know. <laughs> Have you heard that before? Oh yeah, I've heard that a lot. And they'll say, you don't even know, because I, know, I don't know, that means you can't know. <laughs> That's not logical. No, it's not logical, but yeah, that is a claim that we get a lot. Sometimes I'll, uh, I, I've heard that referred to as soft agnosticism versus hard agnosticism. Soft agnosticism is, well, I don't know. Um, hard agnosticism is, well, nobody can know, including you. Mm -hmm. um, and that doesn't make sense because if you say nobody can know, you are claiming to know something. You're making a knowledge claim. Mm -hmm. So you're really contradicting yourself. You're right. destroying your own argument. It's called a self-refuting argument. Mm -hmm. It is. Yes, indeed. And so Jesus is making distinctions between him and them. He knows who he is and where he's coming from, where he's going. They don't know. He, the next distinction in verse 15, he says, you judge according to the flesh, and I don't. And then verse 16, even if I do judge, my judgment is true, for it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. In your law, it's written that the testimony of two people is true. I am one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. Therefore, we have two witnesses here testifying the same things, and both always speak the truth. So if someone is telling the truth, they can be trusted. Mm -hmm. And that does make sense. I mean, that's going back to Old Testament laws mm -hmm. regarding testimony. You know, nobody can be condemned on the evidence of only one witness. And in fact, that's something that even, you know, feeds into our own legal system here in the country, here in this country, that nobody should be accused or should be, you know, a um, sentenced based on a single person's testimony. Mm -hmm. And it, that has to do with God's laws of justice. 
And it also reminds me of the passage we taught last week about the woman who was caught in adultery, and then all of the accusers left, and it was just Jesus and the woman there. And he says, does no one accuse you? Then neither do I condemn you. Correct. Okay, so Jesus dealt with that question of if one person, if he bears witness about himself, that doesn't mean it's not true. The next question is pretty simple, but it has some pretty sinister and ugly uh, connotations to it. It's John chapter 8, verse 19. They said to him, therefore, where is your father? What were they implying there? Dan, what do you think? I think they were going after his parentage because, of course, because they didn't believe he was who he said he was, they believed that he was a bastard. Yeah, that's not cursing. That's a description of what they thought he was. They thought that he had um, been born um, through Mary and a man that she wasn't married to, that he was an illegitimate child. And they, I think, yeah, I think they were going after his parentage and, and kind of trying to, to get a response out of him, to get a rise out of him. Insulting his mother. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Which are fighting words. Uh, oh, and they are. And particularly in that culture. I mean, yeah. in our culture, it doesn't seem to be all that unusual anymore. Yeah. And in that time and culture, Mary could have been stoned to death for adultery. So it was a big thing in that culture. But they didn't have evidence of that. In fact, you know, she... They didn't. The truth about who Jesus is, we haven't stated that yet, but he was born of a virgin, child of the Most High God, so he had no human father. And that's true. Joseph wasn't his biological father, but she wasn't unfaithful. But their their assumption and their intimation is that, you know, Mary was unfaithful to the guy she was engaged to. From their perspective, and because they rejected what who Jesus claimed to be, just his existence could have been considered enough evidence that she had been unfaithful. Yeah. So that's, I think, what they were going after. Now, Joseph did raise him as if he was his father. He, you know, he yes, took he care did. of him. He was a carpenter and likely taught him the trade of carpentry. But we don't really read of Joseph. Uh, being alive during the time of Jesus's ministry, so I'm he's never mentioned. I'm kind of reading into this a little bit, but not only were they insulting his mother by saying "Where is your father," but also mm-hmm. maybe bringing up a a painful uh, subject in regards to Jesus's legal father. If Joseph had passed away at this time, you know, you don't say if you say to, I've accidentally said to somebody who whose parent had passed away. Oh, where where are they? Where do they live? Oh, well, they died, actually. Oof. Yeah. So um, sometimes people just not stop at anything just to get at you, to push your buttons, to try to get you upset, to say something that they could use against you. And I think that's what they're doing to Jesus, too. That makes sense, too, because we see later in one of the other Gospels, Jesus, when he's on the cross, turning to John and say, Behold your mother, and and to Mary and say, Behold your son. Jesus wouldn't have had to say that if Joseph was still alive. So I think mm-hmm. it's it's pretty clear that he must have passed away. Something must have happened before this. And for those, that's the first time they ever heard that saying. Jesus was basically entrusting the care of his mother to his friend John. And, yeah, thanks uh, for the clarification. Yeah. yeah. Behold, your son, he's going to take care of you now. I'm, I'm departing. Mm. Um, now, Jesus answered a different way. When they went low, 
he didn't go low. <laughs> he just <laughs> put them in their place. He said, you know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. And I yes. think in this, there's a little bit of a, um, a reminder of, hey, I'm not even going to acknowledge your your argument here. My father is God who you don't know. You don't know God. And if you mm. knew God, oh, you would know me. And I think that's something, speaking of Muslims and people of other religions who don't receive Jesus as the Son of God, Jesus here is actually saying, if you knew me, you would know my Father also. If they don't believe in Jesus as the Son of God, then do they really know God? No, they really don't. They really don't. Not according to Jesus. Not according to Jesus. Once again, that was a huge a statement with huge implications, claiming to be God's Son— as is said in one of the other, and, and you'd have to remind me of the verse, you probably know it. You know, he claimed that God was his own father, making himself equal with God. That's in John somewhere. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah, that's it, it, it's here. But I just look at the next verse. These words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple, but no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. Why would they have arrested him? Because he had just committed blasphemy, was claimed blasphemy. They think he committed blasphemy because he, he's making himself equal with God. Uh, yeah, the charge against him was blasphemy. <laughs> better. <laughs> Maybe that's a, a clearer way of, of, of phrasing it, because, yeah. of course, no, he didn't blaspheme. He was who he claimed to be. Absolutely. If he had, yeah, if it had been a false statement, it would have been blasphemy, and it would have been worthy of death. Thanks for clarifying. I just got hung up yeah. on it. <laughs> okay, so in my little outline, the way I'm dividing up the text, and this is something someone who has a red-letter edition of the Bible can do, in some Bible versions, they have the red letters when Jesus speaks and black letters when it's a narrative or anyone else speaking. And so that's how I'm breaking this up. And I don't really see a question here in verse 20. It's, it's more like silence, but sometimes the silence can have an implied question. And we were talking earlier, just because they're silent in Jesus when Jesus answered their, their last question doesn't mean they don't still have questions. We're going to go through four more questions, but their silence or inaction in regard to Jesus doesn't mean that they're neutral. In other words, their response could be rejection. Their response of silence could be contemplation or thinking through what he had been claiming, or their response could be openness to belief. So it takes listening to Jesus and maybe not responding verbally, letting his words sink in, showing that you're open to the truth and willing to, as Dave says on the Flight 1080 show, I'm willing to entertain the possibility of this being true. So does that describe you? Or have you already decided either for him or against him? Should we go to the next question in verse 22? Simply, verse 22 says, So the Jews said, Will he kill himself? Since he says, Where I am going, you cannot come. They ask uh, another short question, but also a very emotionally dishonest. I didn't read verse 21. I'll read that again. So he said to them, Again, I'm going away, and you will seek me, and you will die in your sin. Where I am going, you cannot come. 
Notice they didn't hone in on the very convicting part of what Jesus was trying to say. You will die in your sin. They want to pick. Yeah, I noticed on, that too. They want to pick on the uh, the weakest part of the argument, which is where I'm mm. going, you cannot come. It's very vague. Well, where are you going? It begs the question. They say, "Are you going to kill yourself? Is that where you're going? I, we're not going to go there." Well, does anybody really want to deal with their sin? <laughs> I mean, that's that's the difficult. That's a difficult thing to do. Um, and particularly the consequences of it. I mean, how yeah. how often do we really think about the fact that that sin leads to death? That any sin makes us worthy of death. I wouldn't want to deal with it if I was in their situation either. That's true. But there's also a, an even darker thing in what Jesus is saying: you will die in your sin. It's one thing yes. to die because of the natural consequences of we're all sinners. We're all in this fallen world. We're all going to die. But yeah, it's yeah, possible yeah. to die in your sin, or it's possible to die forgiven of your sins. How you die in relationship to your sin will determine where you spend eternity. So this is a very a very important question. Are you going to die in your sins? Jesus is, mm-hmm. is saying this to make us concerned. We should be concerned about whether we're condemned in our sin before God, or whether we have found forgiveness and peace from our from that condemnation through the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus. He died for our sin so that we wouldn't die in our sin. That's right. Every sin will be perfectly paid for one way or another. The question is, do you die in your sins and pay yourself, or are you going to trust in the one who died for you to pay for them? Mm -hmm. So where will someone spend eternity if they die in their sins, Dan? Is that the end of the punishment, death? It's not. It's not. It's either heaven or hell. And if we die in our sins, that's hell is where we will spend eternity paying for the wrong that we've done. A lot of people have a problem with hell because they think it's unreasonable. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe that it is exactly what is earned and deserved for the wrong that we've done. And mm-hmm. it's even the smallest sin is infinitely sinful. If it's against an infinitely holy and perfect God, and every sin is ultimately committed vertically first and horizontally only secondarily. Every sin is ultimately against God, Mm -hmm. primarily. So, even the smallest sin is enough to condemn us to hell. But, of course, God made a way out of that. Mm -hmm. And to those who die in their sin, he says, where I am going, you cannot come. And the obvious question is, where is Jesus going? Ultimately, Jesus is going back to heaven. And so he's saying, I'm going to heaven one day, and you cannot come there if you die in your sin. And mm. they, they don't want to think about that. They would, ra- would rather try and turn the tables and say, will he kill himself since he says where I'm going, you cannot come. And that's just ridiculous. However, some people would say that the cross is divine suicide, what do you say about that, Dan? We had a we had a guy in Redwood City that said, "Isn't yeah. that selfish of us to ask Jesus to die on the cross for us to kill himself? Like, did he kill himself? He did not kill himself. He allowed himself to be killed. And in one sense, you could almost say, I mean, since God is always in control, since He is sovereign over everything that exists." You know, he certainly knew that the crucifixion was going to happen. It was part of his plan. It was central to his plan. 
So he put himself in a situation, in this situation, knowing that would be the result. But of course, he died at the hands of the Romans, but ultimately at the under the desire of the Jews. So it's them that are responsible for his death. So no, I don't think we could call that a suicide. Mm-hmm. Can I say something about it? I think Please. there's a couple of passages. I'll just correlate. Uh, what Jesus said was, no one takes my life from me, but I lay it down mm, yes. for the sins of the world. But he wasn't saying I'm going to kill myself. Um, he would be executed as a criminal in our place, like we deserved to be. Um, and then there's another verse in Acts chapter 2, when Peter gets up and preaches the gospel to thousands of people. He he puts it this way, and I think there's there's two truths to this. There's God's side, what God was doing. The plan was for Jesus to be crucified since the foundation of the world, but it was still at the hands of wicked people that are responsible for their evil. And uh, so there's both of these truths, and Peter preached this on Pentecost. It says in Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 2, verse 22 and 23, Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know, This Jesus, delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was impossible for him to be held by it. So it's both God's definite plan and foreknowledge. He was delivered up, uh, but he was crucified by wicked and lawless men. Judas was yeah. responsible for betraying him. That's uh, right. You know the the Romans were responsible for the you know the injustice that they were uh, committing. The disciples abandoned him. The religious leaders were accusing him and calling for his crucifixion. And we ourselves, it was our sin that was laid upon him. He died for us, so we're to blame. Yes. Uh, for, for that death. But on the other hand, God loved us so much that he would rather die in our place than to punish us for all of our sin. And so God demonstrated his own love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died, Christ for, died us. for us. Amen. So no, Jesus didn't kill himself, but he did die according no. to his own wi- willing uh, sacrifice of himself. So... Shall we go to the next question? Yes, let's do that. Okay, in verse 25. So they said to him, who are you? It's a very simple question. Who are you? The identity of Jesus is questioned. Now, of course, they're not just saying this like, oh, hey, we just met you. Who are you? (laughs) So Jesus said to them, just what I've been saying, telling you from the beginning, I have much to say about you and much to judge, but he who sent me is true, and I declare to the world what I have heard from him. Mm. I, I like that. He's just, I, he's just consistent. I've been, I am who I am. I am who I've been saying I am from the beginning. Like, what beginning, maybe? You could say from the beginning of time, he's mm-hmm. the creator. But also from the beginning of his ministry, he is who mm-hmm. he says he is. And from the beginning of this passage, where there's allusions throughout it mm-hmm. of him saying that I am much more than just a man. I am, mm-hmm. you know, the, 
basically calling himself God, mm-hmm. implying this way and that way, and sometimes saying straight out like he did in verse 24, I told you you would die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. Right. That's a big statement. Yeah. Yeah, I am he. That, And now for a Jew, anyone who hears him say that, and then also, we'll, we don't have enough time to go there today, but the end of this mm. chapter, he says, before Abraham was, I am. And that Greek uh, phrase, I am, ego ami, harkens back mm-hmm. to when God revealed himself to Moses in the burning bush, a light, and he said, who are you that I, you know, if I'm supposed to deliver the Israelites out of Egypt, who shall I say sent me? And God said, I am who I am. Tell them that I am sent you. That is the the name of God, I am. So Jesus is claiming to be God. He didn't say before Abraham was, I was. He said, I am, the eternally existent one. Yes, in the past, he was still in present tense. That's kind of an interesting <laughs> way of thinking of it. And, but I mean, I can't think of a better description, a better way for God to describe himself than him always being in the present, always existing in the same way in past, present, and future. Kind of a way of him saying, I am outside of time as you know it. Mm-hmm. So it's a big, it's a big statement. And I mean, because that's what the Jews would have understood about Yahweh, God, and that was what Jesus was claiming about himself. Yep. And, you know, it is a good question, who is Jesus? And it's a good thing to ask him. But he's already testified to them who he is. They're just not believing it. And so he no, refuses not to believe. He refuses to just like, okay, he's not he's not a vending machine that if you put in a quarter, <laughs> you get a coke out. He, he doesn't nope. he doesn't have to answer your questions. If he's already asked your questions, sometimes he's just going to say just what God tells him to say. That's where he lands on here when he said he who sent me is true, and I declare to the world what I have heard from him. That both supports the identity of Jesus, because he's just saying what God the Father says about him, but it also affirms that Jesus answers questions the way that God wants him to. He always mm-hmm. says what the Father tells him to say, what I heard from him. And that's a beautiful thing to contemplate, the relationship between God the Son and God the Father. Yes, you talk to Muslims about that sometimes, don't you, Dan? And they, they struggle with that. Oh, they do. They do. And it's... Mormons struggle with that, too. Who is Jesus praying yeah. to? Himself? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, I mean, part of that is is the nature of the Trinity, that God is Father, Son, and Spirit, one being, and three persons. And, and I'll just readily admit, that is a difficult concept. In fact, in... On some level, it's an impossible concept for us to understand. We can apprehend it. We can see what God's Word clearly teaches. We can't comprehend it. We can't wrap our brain around it because God is completely unique. Um, You know, He is, we explain things often by comparing them with something else that the person is more familiar with, but there is nothing else that's like God in nature. Mm 
Um, but but yeah, but we have to we have to look at what he says in Scripture and say, okay, I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna believe that because he is faithful. Mm-hmm. And uh, but yeah, it's a, it's a tough thing. You're right. Mormons and Muslims do struggle with this. And the other thing that I see in this is, um, you know, Jesus, as you said, he's already answered their question. And he's not going to answer it again just because they rephrase it a little bit. And this is something that I see. And once again, not putting down Mormons or Muslims. They're sweet people most of the time, and I love having conversations with them. Um, But people will – how can I put it? Sometimes they'll reveal their true colors. Yeah. Really, and it's – They can't – squeeze God into the mold that they're trying to. Exactly. It's not that the passage isn't clear. It's that they don't like the answer it provides. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's 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 a matter of really since I don't like the answer, I'm going to pretend that I don't understand it mm-hmm. or I'm going to find some way around it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we get a lot of that, you know. Mm-hmm. Um but but you need to be able to take God's words for what they are even if you're uncomfortable with it even if you don't like its implications you got to be honest with it and mm-hmm. until you're willing to be honest with the tough answers you know you're not going to truly come to understand God you're not going to be able part of Jesus's answer I'm feeling like he's like he's not answering them who he is even though that's an important question he's more mm-hmm. addressing their um, their slowness to to re- receive anything. Like he says, I have yeah. much to say and to judge concerning you, but you you just don't have room for it. Like mm. they, if only they knew who they were talking to, they could mm. glean wisdom of the of the kingdom of heaven, of eternity, of of life, and the meaning of life, and they can find the true answers. But they just mm. refuse to let Jesus speak for himself and and hear yeah. what he's saying to them. He's saying I have many things. Sorry, I'm just dwelling I'm tripping on that. I'm dr- dwelling on that. You're dwelling that on truth. I have much to judge, <laughs> but he who sent me is true and I declare to the world what I've heard from him. So I think that where I was going with that was mm-hmm. sometimes in our desire to reach people, we think we have to always answer their questions. And sometimes yeah. they all only want a yes or no answer, but sometimes we have to walk away and say, you know what, you're mm-hmm. not ready for the answer to that question. You wouldn't receive it any if I gave it to you. And there's a lot I would love to share with you if you would just be open to the truth. But it's it's a yeah. grieving thing when you have to say, okay, we're going to have to end this conversation here because you can't even tell me that two plus two equals four. And we're it's not a constructive... Yeah conversation to go down if we can't even agree on certain basic uh, logic and truths. No, I agree. I've, I've literally said in some of my Facebook conversations recently that, you know what, since you've stopped listening, I'm going to stop talking because mm-hmm. there's no point. Mm-hmm. And I, I just pray that our listeners won't be there because we're hoping you will still hear what God has to to speak to you. Yeah. And on that positive note, there there's a, a glimmer of hope here as we begin to wrap up here our program for today. We're running out of time. So lest you think that everyone was just out to get Jesus and against him, 
even as Jesus was answering these questions from the skeptics and the the scholars who didn't want to acknowledge him, yeah. they, he was still convincing some people. And it says, as he was saying these things, many believed in him. So, folks, as we started out this program, when Jesus speaks, his word is powerful. And how you respond reveals what kind of heart you have, whether it's hard or whether it's uh, soft and pliable and able to receive the truth. Or in keeping with the theme of Jesus being the light of the world, your response to Jesus reveals whether you've seen him and he's opened your eyes and there is a light of revelation in your heart to, to believe in him, or whether you're still in darkness and you're blind to the truth and you're blind to the light of the world. And so, I would encourage you to figure out, examine yourself, figure out which side of the truth are you on. Hmm. Do you receive Jesus as not only the light of the world, but the light of your life? Hmm. Or do you reject the light to remain in darkness? For those who believed in him, he said, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So my friends, you're listening to Dwell on Truth because we want you to abide in the word and truly be a disciple of Jesus. That's what it means to be a Christian, is someone who doesn't just believe for a moment that yeah, Jesus is plausibly the son of God and it's plausible that there is a God but you trust in him. You trust your very life to him. And a disciple is one who receives his word and continues in it. That's how you'll know that you're truly saved, and that's how you'll get to true freedom and a true life. It's through Jesus. So believe in him, follow him, and if you haven't done that yet, turn from your sins and trust in him, and you will be freed from your sin. So you won't die in your sin. You'll die forgiven and you will rise in a new body in glory and spend forever with the Lord. We hope that you do that today. Amen. Thank you for sharing that, Brenton. That is what we wish for all of you. And uh, if you have any questions about that and what it takes to truly come to know Christ and to follow him as a disciple, we'd love to help you in that process. You can reach out to us um, through Facebook, as, as Brenton uh, mentioned earlier, at OAC NorCal on Facebook at oacnorcal.org on the web. And if you have any questions about any of these things, you can reach out to us at um, oacnorcal at gmail.com or at, I think it's questions at dwellontruth.org, yes. correct? Questions at yes. dwellontruth.org, that's right. And so, thank you for listening to Dwell on Truth. Uh, we'll be here every Sunday at 11 a.m. on KSCO, AM 1080, Monterey, Salinas, Santa Cruz, San Jose, and on the internet at dwellontruth.org. Uh, you'll also, if you're listening to the Flight 1080 show on February 18th, Dan and I are going to be guests on the Flight 1080 show. Dave just confirmed yes. that today. So listen in, and, and you've, you can call in and answer your questions. So mark your calendar for February 18th from 4 to 6 p.m., and after that, we'll be out on the streets, Lord willing. Uh, hopefully no one gets COVID or dies or anything like that. And uh, <laughs> There's a positive thought there, lo- Lord willing, if we live, we could see you out on the streets of Santa Cruz or at the beach. We'll, we'll announce on the Flight 1080 show where we will be that night. So we would love to meet you, love to hear from you. 
Thanks for listening to Dwell on Truth. All right. God bless. Again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to him, You are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. Jesus answered, Even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true. For I know where I came from and where I am going. But you do not know where I come from or where I am going. You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. Yet even if I do judge, my judgment is true. For it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. In your law it is written that the testimony of two people is true. I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. They said to him, therefore, Where is your father? Jesus answered, You know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. These words he spoke in the treasury, as he taught in the temple. But no one arrested him, because his hour had not yet come. So he said to them again, I am going away, and you will seek me, and you will die in your sin. Where I am going, you cannot come. So the Jews said, Will he kill himself? Since he says, Where I am going, you cannot come. He said to them, You are from below, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. So they said to him, Who are you? Jesus said to them, Just what I have been telling you from the beginning. I have much to say about you, and much to judge. But he who sent me is true, and I declare to the world what I have heard from him. They did not understand that he had been speaking to them about the Father. So Jesus said to them, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, and that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me. And he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. As he was saying these things, many believed in him. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. John chapter 8, verse 12 through 32. A title for today's message could be, Following the Light of the World.